Hey guys, welcome to the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by LMA, the Lebanese Muslim Association, in alignment with National Unity Week. National Unity Week is run by LMA and Welcoming Australia, where the goal is to bridge the gap between communities and create a deeper understanding of the people around us. It is our responsibility to learn more about what makes us unique and also what differentiates us. It's our goal to bridge the gap and connect with one another to build a wider community. Today's episode, we'll be discussing bridging the gap between community, how young people can make a difference, leadership, what we can do and what skills we can do to really make a difference in our community. I hope you guys do enjoy the episode. Remember to like, comment and subscribe and enjoy. Okay, then I'm going to start it off with a question for you guys. I just want to have a quick response. Pick one and then I'll give a little um, side story on that. When you think of community, like in particular Muslim community or even just the uh, Australian community here, do you think we're more divided or united? Divided! Okay, we're gonna do a redo. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I wanna get the energy levels up a little bit. <laughs> I don't think it was bad then. <laughs> oh. I did not expect He said quick response. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be first. It's a game show. Let's keep this going. Okay, go. So, how? What do you reckon? Australian community? You can pick. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Muslim community. Go first. Muslim community. Definitely divided. Okay. Ali? Sadly. I want to say United. Okay. United for Muslim? Yes. Okay, Australian, I say divided. Okay, and Muslim? Divided. Divided! <laughs> this guy loves division. Um, <laughs> so, okay, on that, me, I grew up as a mixed kid, mixed race. You know, you grew up in Lebanese, you grew up in your Somali community, you probably experienced a lot of things where you were accepted a lot of the time. You know, like fully, like a Lebanese person, maybe village by village, you might say you're not one of us, but you're still one of us. Mm. You know, and I grew up with an identity thing, like even within communities, like for the Lebanese, I had a lot of Lebanese friends, but I didn't speak Arabic. And really my dad's half Lebo. Yeah. You get it? And then I'll go, oh, I'm South African. And then I had a lot of East African friends and stuff, but like, you don't look like us. You know, are you really African? Are oh, you half African? You know, and I didn't have that like connection. You didn't have a sense of community growing up. So even me, like my sense of belonging, my sense of community was always divided. I was never in one community and I never was accepted in one. Like for me, I never felt I was connected to one mm. and I was never accepted. So I think the division thing kind of like, to me, was never a bad thing. You know, there is a lot of um, cons to having a community that is divided. Obviously, we still have to, you know, become united. That's what the episode's about. But I felt like me, personally, my experiences, my entire life, community, family, connection, it's always been divided. So, would you say this is... Because um, I know that we always resonate with Islam more often than culture. Because what I'm hearing from you is basically culturally you seem divided. Is that also within the Muslim community you saw these these issues? I think because the Australian, the Muslim community here in Australia is still so new. Like in the 70s, mm. the Moscow Bill, it's been 50 years. Mm. So I felt like because the Muslim community is like Albanian mosque, Turkish mosque, Lebanon mosque, Somali mosque, Egyptian mosque, it's still like not united, you know? Yeah, definitely. And because I'm 22, like for example, you start really practicing when you're 18 or something. It's like I've been practicing for like four years. Like mm. proper, like trying to, you know, better myself. So I'm still so new to the um, Australian Muslim world. Like I'm not, with the politics Because there's a lot of politics Obviously So I feel like I'm trying to Personally like Bridge the gap Between me and other groups mm. Like I'll go to a, a Somali mosque I'll go to Egyptian I'll go to a Turkish And I don't see a problem with it Yeah But other people I've witnessed like No I don't pray at that mosque Yeah Thinking, 
Because the Salat finished, we're just going to pay Asr, you know? Yeah, I know, I know people that have gone to Somali mosques. And um, she goes to me once that she she, she. Looks, she looks pretty white. Relax, bro. <laughs> she looks mm. pretty white, yeah? So what happens is she goes into a Somali mosque and she's the only one there that's obviously Mashallah. not Somali. And then what happens is they all thought she was a revert. And they all came up to her. They were all like, oh my God, it's so amazing that you came here. When did you... Then they go, oh, like, I'm Lebanese. And they found out she was Lebanese and they just dispersed because mm. they realised ah, that well. she wasn't a revert. Mm-hmm. There's none of this... There's none of this like um, like we have to accept this person, and I can be that person that helps out this and you know basically that you know that that good feel story like mm. oh, I helped out a river and whatever, mm. and we start to notice that within places where like there's already a, a rooted cultural bias, mm. you'll start to notice that segregation is quite often like entrenched in the, mm. in the in the in the whole community and whatever and that's not me just saying Somalis yeah, yeah. Mm. that's me saying that's Lebanese just an example yeah. that comes well. to your mind and they'll, they'll have the occasional one or two like for example Lebanese community might have the occasional Ethiopian brother or the Eritrean brother that comes around and whatever but then you'll notice that they they do seem like outsiders you know they they, they pretty much they don't they might not feel like it but there are outsiders and there are people that don't feel welcome in certain communities and it's not it's not foreign it's actually mm. it's actually actually like it's happening to the person mm. yeah they actually are being segregated and i even heard um about reverts it's a it's a really tough thing i'll make it easier for them but i know reverts as soon as they revert like in the mosque everyone's with them they yep. say a hundred people are saying here's my number here's my number here's my number and two weeks later no one's there yeah that's why they say it's really tough because like there's so many people that say they help, but in the long run, it's hard to. And they say a lot of mosques like should have like a group chat or a list of people. And then whenever a revert comes, like he's your person. Yep. See, like when the people um, had left Mecca and did Hijrah mm-hmm. to Medina, it's like you had a partner, mm. you had someone to take care of you, just <coughs> one person. They could have got maybe 20 people, I don't know numbers, yeah. but they could have got more people, but it's like one. And then whenever you need something, that's the person you go to. The first. Like how much better wait. would that be? Yeah, sorry, I can finish off. No, that's point. it, that's it. I was going to say, wait. Going back to the division thing, division's always going to occur. You know, segregation, people are going to be more comfortable with going towards their own people or whatever, yeah? So division is a normal thing. It's a form of identity. You know, you identify yourself with that certain group because you have these certain characteristics or traits, yeah? So are we saying that there is more division within the Muslim community? Because obviously we're going to see it regardless because we're all going to have our cases of that, like that one Somali girl or this you being uh, being able to identify with that group or whatnot. Uh, is the question so? What is the question exactly? Do we identify more, or is there less division? I didn't really come with that point. I was going to bring up the question. It was more now. I want to know why you guys think we're divided? Okay. Okay. Because mm. you might, for example, have an experience where you go to a mosque, yeah. and then you see that division where, as soon as you're Lebanese, it's like, oh, we don't connect with you. Why didn't someone continue the converse? Oh, mashallah, you came to the mosque. How old are you? What do you study? Oh, I'd mm-hmm. love to see you more here. You know, but yeah. instead, as soon as you're Lebanese, if a Somali girl walked in, in that case yeah. or whatever, anyone with the same culture came in, you'd probably chat with them. Hmm. You know, so it's like that connection. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted I'm to know about your guys' stories, maybe with, you know, why the community, why you resonated with the word division instead of united. That's a good question, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to you process everything you yeah. said. But like, division, because. I feel like because as a Muslim community or a Muslim like a group of people, we're not all one in the way that we look. 
you know we all believe something in in the sense that like there's like one god rasul sallallahu and whatnot you know but in terms of there's certain like i said before there's certain characteristics or traits that divide us but that isn't necessarily a problem so i think it goes back to the division thing when we say division like it depends division can be one of those things where it's a double edged sword yeah it depends how you use it like for for me example like i remember there was this period this five year period where as a kid growing up my dad used to love this certain masjid this masjid was filled with turks it was just turks basically yeah anyway going there as a kid being naive or what not not once did knowing that i was different to them in the sense that i was black do you get what i mean in terms of they spoke a different language to me and what not not once did i ever feel hey if anything they were the most accepting groups like in a masjid i've always felt and maybe i'm a bit naive to this as well i felt that was an environment where people were most acceptive mm-hmm. of regardless of who you were and like where you came from maybe it was because i was a kid i was a bit more adorable or what not but going back to the whole division thing I don't really see it as a negative thing. I think it's like honestly like a positive thing, you know? I understand where you're coming from, but I think with division, if you um when you don't like for example a certain group, like I don't listen to this sheikh because he's from a different um culture or manhaj yeah. or whatever. I don't go to that mosque because it's a different culture. When division makes us not accept each other, that's a, bad, a thing. bad thing. Yeah. 100%. But I think with if you're united as a Muslim group and then you resonate with your own culture more. That's yeah. not a problem. Yeah. Because obviously it's your own culture, your own language and stuff. Yeah. But I think we're more divided here in the sense of, oh, that's a Hanafi mosque. So and we people love that. learning the different madhabs and kind of yeah. like segregating and So we weaponize our division essentially. That's um, what you're trying to say. I think what you guys are getting wrong is the fact that you're misdefining what's going on. So division is basically separation. Yeah. Division and um, difference or point of difference are two different things, you know. So, so what's the question we're trying so to tackle? So he's basically saying division, as in like there's there's a sense that there's separation within the community. Yeah. So there's pockets of like people from a certain culture or 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 like madhab or sect or whatever it is, and they all kind of keep to themselves rather than creating one massive community. Yeah. And then um, maybe furthermore, if within your own community or the own pocket of whatever it is that you're currently a part of, yeah. have you felt like either like, um, not exiled, but like kind of like, like an outsider in that situation? And if you have... Then like what was the reason? Like what what gave it to you? Were you enthusiastic about joining or helping out? And they kind of like, you know, the, the the mosque only runs with people that we know from a certain family or from a certain tribe or whatever it is. That's I think that's what he means by division, basically. Yeah. So difference, we know that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala told us we created your nations and tribes. You may yeah. know one another and all that sort of stuff. So you kind of think to yourself, okay, division is within normal. Islam. Division shouldn't exist. Yeah, within Islam, those differences or those point of differences are something that should be acknowledged more so than what we share as a commonality, you know, because commonalities is like kind of like, yeah, they're mutual beliefs. Like me and you, automatically we know salam alaikum alaikum salam. We we already know what's right and what's wrong, because of what we're ingrained in, what we're entrenched in, whatever. But then when it comes to things like your food, what you guys like, how you guys greet one another. What you guys like to do, I don't know, like, for example, me and you go to a Somali restaurant and there's a certain type of way to order, a certain type of way to do things and you know more so than I do. Yes, man. (laughs) 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 But you you get where I'm coming from? Like, Mm. when it comes to, like, division, I think there is division within the community. Like, not only 
Australian community, but also like Muslim community. And like you were saying, it's because a lot of us, we always gravitate towards something that's more similar, something that's not foreign, something that's not... That's our innate nature, we can't help that. Yeah. No, but what, what it is, is it has to take like an intentional, it's, there's an intentional approach that has to be taken mm-hmm. in order for you to accept somebody from a different culture or a different race. Because now your perspective needs to change. So me and you being friends, like all, like for example, me and another mate that I have that's Somali, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember me and him sitting down having a laugh and whatever, and then I, I, like I brought something and he he ate with me, and he didn't say thank you, you know, yeah. or yeah. he didn't have like he doesn't he doesn't say like he doesn't like smile or he doesn't say hello when he comes he just sits down or whatever, or he doesn't like he doesn't have certain mannerisms that attend to him, and then I asked him, bro, like. You're welcome, or whatever yeah. it is, and I'm thinking he's just being a rude bloke. He doesn't know. Like, yeah, is he the way he's raised? Don't, don't, or don't tell me he said that's his culture. He didn't say it's his culture. Yeah, he said more so. There's like in the language that I have, it's not really like normal for us to say thank you and whatever. It's kind of a given that you know I'm thankful for you giving me something, or it's a given to know that I'm happy with what you've given me. You know, yeah. so I, th- I think that's a household thing. But um, yeah, on that, right. I wanted to go to Ali because Ali used, he resonated with the United. You know, so yeah, then so I just want to hear that. So initially when you asked the question, I was thinking of like, because like you said, we grew up from day one in like different cultures, like not being fully into one culture, like with the African community or Lebanese. So I thought to myself, okay, what do I resonate with most of my social circles till this day? And it is Islam. So I would say United for myself. Mm. But thinking about it now, like holistically, like, I think the Muslim community is kind of divided. And I think it's, like you said before as well, like it's still developing, it's still a new community and it happened naturally. So for example, like parents coming from their home right, But this division isn't new though. This division in terms of, if we're going back to the division of like differences in, in, in opinion and whatnot, that's been there for like time, mm. you know? So but, but I'm saying like, as in people sticking with their own. So, so how I was saying like, we like to stick with people that are similar. And this is normal because I've, our parents are like that, or like most parents were like that. Yeah. So their kids naturally become like that because they're hanging out with those, those parents' kids as well. So it's like, it's kind of our initiative to start like opening up our bubble. Like, you know, at least gradually yeah. starting to notice like, okay, we we actually do have sim- similarities with other people in different cultures. Yeah. On that, um, I don't like to just talk about what the issues are without maybe finding mm. the root reason and then also finding a solution. And obviously, like Legendary just said, there's always been division. There's always been difference of opinions, different cultures. You know, you resonate with that kind of stuff. But I think the big thing in Melbourne that we see, or even Australia, is like when people um, put aside, because I'm, you're not Somali, you're not one of us, uh, you're not Lebanese, you're not Turkish. But I think us, we need to kind of figure out and kind of identify with Islam before culture. I think that's a big thing where it's like us, we say like Australian Muslim, or I'm Australian and then I'm... Lebanese or you know like you know that's where we identify first or it's like Islam before culture it's like um Lebanese Muslim I don't know I'm Muslim first I'm Muslim before anything yeah so I think that's where the culture kind of takes place but I think a big reason why there's so so much strength with people's culture and identity here in Australia is because a lot of the people that moved here have a fear of losing it you know for example mm. like your parents or your parents my grandparents my mom they came from overseas Mm. They they came here with a different language, you know. My grandpa came Lebanese, my mama came with Afrikaans. They don't they're scared to lose the language, lose the culture. Especially that's why, like for example, we might not tackle it, but interracial marriages, 
a lot of cu- a lot of families aren't for it because they're scared they might lose the language. Mm-hmm. They're scared they might not be able to. Their grandkids. Their grandkids can't talk, can't them, talk yeah. to their mum. Yeah. You know, so it's a more of a fear. You know, sometimes it is bad when people like walk into a mosque and then they don't give them the light of day unless they're a river or the same nationality. Yeah. So it is a tough experience. But I think the reason why we're not divided is a lot of times it's just fear. And it's not understanding maybe the place you're in. And then a big part of that is adaptability that mm. I want to touch on later. It's willing to change. You know, yeah. a lot of the older generation, the yeah. even like us, there's a lot of people our age, it's called fixed-minded. You know, you're fixed-minded, you're, you think you're right and you don't want to change for other people, you know. And that's going to now switch to... What, what can we do to fix it? If we're divided here in the Muslim community in Australia, you know, you might not have the answers, but what's some things that you might think could work? Well, Even gone. from what you've heard, like for example, mm. the sheikhs, like Sheikh Ala is very active with, he's an Egyptian imam, but his mosque is like half Egyptian, half Somali. And there's never been really like a, I've, I've never seen like an issue with that. Mm. You know? Between the masjid? No, like between him and he, the people that go to, like the community. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. As him as a leader, yeah. yeah. Him as yeah. a leader, him as an imam. Yeah. What's some things that can, they so can do that can unite us? Well, first of all, we'll be breaking down stigmas. You know, going back to your point about in terms of fears and like the whole marriage thing and whatnot, a lot of people are like so immersed in their own culture that they don't take the time to recognize another culture. And Hamda living in Australia, one of the good things is we live in a very, very multicultural environment. You know, like you can you go to work. And you see people of different ethnic backgrounds. You whether know. you like it or not as well. Say again? Yeah. Whether you like it or not as well. Yeah, whether you like it or not. So you're faced with it, you know. But what you can't help, which is built into you, is that subconscious stigma that Lebos are a certain way or South mm. Africans or Malaysians yeah. and whatnot are a certain way, you know. So, like, I think one of the big problems is, like, interracial marriage. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing in terms of um, people saying, hey, this, this, this is going to be a wild take. But people saying these two can't marry because of, oh, no, no, in terms of the opinion of, hey, I want to keep our culture. I, I don't want to lose like our heritage and whatnot. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. But I think if it, if it proceeds, if it stops you from like um, putting good into the world, that's where it becomes a problem. Mm. You know, like for example, in the marriage sense, if these two people are actually good for each other, regardless of their culture, regardless of whether your culture is going to die out, then khalas, so, so like let it be. You know, but breaking that down, people can't get to that opinion of seeing the good because there's this notion of negativity prior to that. Mm. You, do you get what I'm yeah, trying to say? Yeah, but there's, there's obviously what the Rasulullah said that there will be fitna and fasad on the earth if you disallow your 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 daughter or your son to get married to somebody, even though they're pious. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Legendary was saying, as us young people. So, for example, if I want to marry a South African because it's easier, he's saying there's no, nothing wrong with that. I think the issue is when I want to marry a Turk, for example, and the Turkish parents say, you can't because you're Turkish. But so he's saying the parents, yeah. like you, are saying they're gonna, that's the reason there's fitna. But yeah. he's saying there's nothing wrong with um, desiring someone of the same culture so to kind of keep oh, the language no, no. and stuff. No, I, th- I think parents are the ones that have the fixed mindset. You know, us, yeah. as, us as the younger generation, we have the open mindset where we're like, hey, I could explore the option of getting married to a Turkish girl. Or I could explore the option of getting married to someone that's not from my culture. Mm. But you have to go and convince your parents because the parents are the ones because that's all they've known. They've come from a country where you've married the same person that looks like you, who's from the same tribe and probably lives within the same local distance as you, you know. But then the thing is, what I'm trying to say is, if, it, if there's good in it, 100% take it. But at the same time, I'm of the opinion if someone can maintain their culture, because me as a Somali person, 100% I want my kids to be speaking Somali. 
Do you know what I mean? I want to grow up in a world later on when I'm older, inshallah, where there's some sort of Somali heritage or culture still running. You know, I don't want to be that generation that comes to Australia and then be the people that have adapted. into Like, adapting to the Australian culture doesn't mean you necessarily have to lose your heritage or your ethnic background. 100%. You get what I mean? So go back to that. What you're saying about, like, fitna and the test of interracial... And hit me with, di- marriages, but hit me with different op- hit me with different opinions, no, you know? No, no, no. I, I don't disagree with you. Like, yeah. I've... I'm talking personally, I've had conversations with my parents and they've said, you know, look, for your own sake, we recommend you marry somebody from a Lebanese background. But it's not, we're going to say no if you bring somebody else. Yeah. It's more so like, things are the same, you know? Things are easier, things are a lot more convenient, so you don't have to explain things and there's none of this um, lost in translation stuff that will occur if you marry someone. But then like, they understand now that it's kind of like, we're all Australian now. You know, the kids that grow up in this generation, everyone's Australian. Yeah, regardless whether you deny it or not, you're Australian. More so than you're Somali and Mm. I'm Lebanese and whatsoever, yeah. But um, one thing that I would touch on what you said was that you said um, that we need to stop focusing on the stereotypes that come with culture. So like, for example, I've heard this a lot of the time, yeah. A lot of the time people look at Lebanese people and they go, drug dealers, problematic. Like, I'm not denying that there's a problem within our community or that sort of stuff, yeah. Because there is, mm. they do exist, idiots do exist. But there's a reason there's a stigma, but it's maybe 5% or yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, but there's mm. idiots that exist in all cultures and all backgrounds and all stuff like that, that tarnish the reputation of their people, mm. you know? So like, whenever you hear this stereotype like, oh, the Somali that choose Qad, and then you got yeah. the Lebanese guy that's dealing drugs or in gangland war or whatever it is, or bikies or blah, blah, blah. You have to ask yourself, honestly, is every single one of them like that? You know, and if you see them in the mosque, more than likely they're not going to be like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh. So it's kind of like leave, leave whatever you think of that person or whatever you've kind of like initially thought based off of default cultural settings within our environment and then just go ahead with it through like, you know, like conscious, mm. like getting to know somebody yeah. from a personal basis. I, I think that makes me remember like about a lot of the mashaykhs, when they talk about like the different madhabs, they talk about how 5% is different and 95% is the same. And everyone yeah. always focuses focus on what's different. And I hate sometimes talking about like what divides us instead of, instead of what brings us together. Mm. Mm. So I think what you're saying now is like, we always talk about the stigma. Like as soon as you say Lebanese, you say drug dealer. Or as soon as you say another culture, there's something that comes to your mind. But maybe we can instead talk about the strengths. Yep. You know, like how often do we say, for example, the Somali culture, mashallah, you teach from a young age the importance of Quran, the Ogre Duxi, they know how to read, you know, Lebanese, they have Arabic, they have the, t- they have the language of the Quran already from young. Yeah, so to be able to, people, yeah. you know, yeah. so but we don't talk about the strengths enough mm. because sometimes when you focus on the negatives, how are you going to mm. build a relationship? Exactly. Do, do you feel like that will change though? Where people associate people with positive um, stereotypes rather than negative? The only thing is you can assume it won't, but that won't do you any good. So that you mm. might as well at least say, Bismillah, let's have the intention to change and we change because if we change one person, it will so have a ripple effect, you know? It's all about the willingness of one individual, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Muslims in Australia, like our generation, are willing to adapt and grow in any direction that we take it. Definitely. Like the people that, uh, our parents that came here, are more like, I want to keep our own way. This is how it was done in my country. Yeah. But us were like, but whatever the mosque does is what we do. So we're down to adapt, f- do classes online, like study from sheikhs online, you know, learn different languages, expand, you know, meet, meet up and stuff like that. Definitely, definitely. 100%. Going back to the whole the, the marriage thing, so could you see yourself marrying, even though your parents want you, someone outside of your culture? 
do I see myself marrying? Yeah. Allahu Alam, bro. Yeah. Whatever Allah wants. What? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, that's that nicely. <laughs> 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 I, I, I wouldn't even bother delving into that. And now I want to go, because you spoke about now, there's a chance for unity. What can young people like ourselves do? Can young people change? Should young people be leaders? That's one thing I want to, um, for you guys to... Uh, yeah. Should, should you be are we, are we done with that other side of the conversation? You can bring it up if you want, but yeah, go ahead. Let's go on the next. Still talking about interracial marriages. Yeah, this guy loves that. <laughs> I, I, I felt <laughs> like you said you're not Somali. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I love my Somali. <laughs> 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 yeah. I want to know. Um, leave that out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know if young people should be taking a leadership role, and can young people really change the Muslim? Can we unite the community here? What what mm. skills can we do to tackle that? Take it away. Okay. I think initially. It starts obviously. I think it starts with yourself, in the way you interact with people. Like we're talking about the differences of cultures, and I think also like emotional intelligence. So like understanding the different personalities that come from different cultures. So let's say for example, because I know obviously for us like one side South Africans that can be some can be like very like a bit quiet or like not as outgoing as Lebanese, and we see both sides of cultures. But then if these two cultures interact, they might miss. Um, misunderstand each other and they might think okay this person's rude why is he talking so loud why is he so aggressive to me but it's like he's just talking like that's how he is so i think it's just understanding your emotions and the way you deal with those scenarios something that's uncomfortable to you mm. and understanding where that person's coming from so changing your perspective okay. so have you ever encountered a lebanese person that's very loud or all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> the thing is we have made to aunt lebanese and then we'll introduce them and they're like so loud, so like this, mm. like he just talks too much, makes jokes. Like that's just who he is. You yeah. kind of and you can't change people. You know, it's like we find out in sports. A lot of time, managers don't. They have to manage personalities, and each advice you give to one player is different. Like you could tell one player, "Hey, you had a crap game, pick up." Yeah. Another person, you're like, you have to say, "Hey, unlucky, you know, come on, you can do better." You have to. It's how you kind of talk to each person. But sometimes we have like, you know, he has to fit in my box. That's why Richmond was so good over the past five, ten years, bro. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, yeah. like, what Basha was telling us last time was that because of how well Damien Hardwick man manages each person, so he'll, he'll spray Jack Rewell in the corner and then he'll go to Basha and he'll tell yeah. him how well he did in certain aspects yeah. and notices that different thing resonates and motivates different people, you know? Mm. So he's you have to have that emotional intelligence and on top of that, there's cultural intelligence mm. too, which yeah. I learned about. So there's an element of, um, there's two aspects within a human. There's something called core beliefs and flex beliefs. So core beliefs are basically things that are immovable. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's deen, you know? So like the five daily prayers, mm. like we believe in one God, there's certain things that don't move. Like regardless of mm. what everyone around us or wh wh how it makes people feel. But then when it comes to flex things or flex elements of culture or religion, mm. there's things that can be moved that can kind of go, you know, like, you know what, just to m accommodate to you, it's okay. Mm. We'll work with you and work around what will make you comfortable in the situation. Mm. So for us to be conscious of that, we have to know what our cores are and we have to know what we're willing to budge on and compromise on in order for us to kind of like find a mutual like a mutual standpoint, like where we meet halfway, you know? And then when us as a community, we meet halfway mm. and everyone's willing to budge and not just like, this is the way I am and if you don't accept it, go get so, F, yeah. you know? And stuff like that. See, I didn't use profanity. Fine, how about you? What's some things? Come back, come on. What was the question, sorry? <laughs> so it was about, um, I'm going to tackle the young people next, but... Uh, tackle it, tackle it now, tackle it now. We'll okay. come back to my point. I wanted to know, like, so now you said cultural intelligence and 
you know, uh, emotional intelligence. That's maybe some skills we can have. But how about young people? Should young people have a leadership role for change? What should they be doing? Is that a skill they should be picking up? Emotional intelligence, cultural intelligence? They should, in all honesty. And I think that lack of self-awareness with, within the youth is going to cause a lot of issues mm. in that whole, like, um, trying to, like, create leaders at such a young age. So if they don't have the awareness to know, like, for example, why they would feel a type of way about something that's occurring within their day or yeah. whether they have, like, certain issues that they haven't overcome or there's certain w- reasons why they feel a type of way when something said to them, if they don't know themselves very well, then they shouldn't really be dictating the pace or the tempo of the way communities run, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why I have something against youth leadership and all this, like, like f- for, for us... Or for me, at least, when I've seen community um, programs and community, like those organisations, try to develop youth leadership. I get it, the youth are the future and whatever. We have to understand that with that leadership, oftentimes comes this sort of like, this innate, like um, they feel like they've got some sort of royalty now to talk. Mm. And that their their word means something because of a label. And they haven't realised that, like the shiuch or the older people within the, 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 the... um, the community the ones that actually are helping and have helped and like that we're standing on their shoulders you know when they say we're standing on the shoulders of giants the ones that build the community they obviously know a thing or two they're not Mm. stupid no they're not culturally they're not culturally like um, appropriate they don't really know anything about like what's going on this day and age no no it's good for you to add that element to the situation of leadership but not for a, a younger person to become the leader does that make sense? Mm. So mm. I feel like they can help in the in the in the development of a community. Mm-hmm. They can add that kind of like that perspective of somebody who's younger. So like when they have an idea of something, and we can go, okay, yeah, this might not resonate with the youth because me, when I'm listening to this, it doesn't really like, I don't really mess with that idea. Mm-hmm. But then you got kids who are like, no, no, I'm gonna come in the middle and then I'm gonna make terms or I'm gonna I'm gonna dictate terms for what's already been working, yeah. and then put my own spin on it. It's not gonna come with. You need that balance within you the know? community, though. You need that balance between where people have self-awareness, where that they do have the, the the innate qualities of leadership, and they go out and express it, rather than you know you know the whole idea of people not being able to clean their own bedroom, and then they go out into the world and say that's a problem, that's a problem, that's a problem. Like, Achi, you got problems over here. Like, fix that problem. But then it's also the other side to it as well, in the sense that, like that 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 what is it that zest that young people have. That, 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 that zest that comes with being a youth where you think you can change the whole world, you know, but there's people that's come before you and all that. So you've got to acknowledge that. But you don't want too much of one side as well. Uh, people who, so go. They go, yeah, finish it then. You don't want too much of people on one side in terms of people that just lay around and they're so impressionable that they see someone on social media and then they, they change from person to person, you know? Mm-hmm. On that, because now you just, yeah, I was, I was resonating with Sahel and then you said, about changing the world. Steve Jobs says the people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world, change the world. Yeah. And the guy you love, what, Neville Ravakat, is that his name? Naval. Naval Ravakat. Mm. He says the worst advice he hears in the profession of successful people, angel investors, you know, the top CEOs of every company is the phrase, you are too young. Because young people change the world. They only got the recognition for it, recognition for it later. For example, Steve Jobs, he started Apple when he was 21. Bill Gates started Microsoft when he was 20. Mm-hmm. You know, Martin Luther King, who did the I Have a Dream speech, he was 35. These guys are young mm-hmm. people who changed the world. But a lot of these people 
were that changed the world didn't have a leadership position to change the world. They just started taking action. Mm-hmm. And I feel like young people seek the position and then they'll say, now I'm going to do something about it. And they don't have the credentials for that position, which is what you're talking about, where they mm-hmm. think, oh, now I deserve this position because I'm 22 and I finished uni and I have a good perspective on it. But the guy you're talking to built the mosque yep. and he's mm-hmm. been working on it for 35 years. Exactly. It's like, who are you to come take his position? Where I feel young kids have to have the mindset they can do something about it, but understand it's a slow process. Yeah, but where it, does that mi- mindset come from? It's just it's the desire for a better community. Yeah, the mindset comes from building that awareness, like that want and that drive and whatnot. Yeah, yeah the desire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But once you get that awareness, then you can go out and tackle it. What I was trying to say with the thing where you need that balance is where you don't have enough self awareness. Yeah, then you won't you won't breed those leaders, mm. you know, because some people don't have that self awareness and they think they can take on a role that's not suited for them. Mm. You know, that's that's what I was trying to say. I, I feel that young kids shouldn't have a role; they don't have to have a position or a title to make change. Mm. A lot of time, you don't need to yeah. be the leader yeah. of a mosque to make change. You just need, or maybe not mosque, but the community. Or like for example, us. No one said, "Hey, um, now you're the founder of some organization and you can come speak at events." We just came, tried to get guests on, try to make a difference. We're no trying to learn. We're trying to learn yeah, for ourselves. Yeah. But we're in the journey as well. It came but within though. But a lot of times people think you need a position to make a difference. And that's where the ego side of it comes in. That's where it's like you're self-deluded and you only think about yourself. But if you say, no, I want to make the community better, any way that can happen by focusing on one person, two people, ten people, you can actually make a difference. Definitely. You know? doesn't need to be on a grand scale. Yeah. But you don't have to... You, sometimes people think you need a leaders, leadership position. And uh, uh, as well... Leaders should be not leaders. Uh, leaders should be like experts in their field, trustworthy people. You know, when you go and you listen to like a physio, it's like he's an expert. He studied four or five years, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like he's a person of knowledge. For a leadership position, you should have a backing. Like I did X, Y, and Z. That's why I'm a leader. Mm. You know, like last week you're speaking about uh, motivational speakers. It's like a lot of the time they just preach something they did maybe 20 years ago and haven't done anything since. It's like, I'll teach you how to run a business, but I've never had one. All those financial course guys, yeah, yeah, 100%. So it's like the same thing with leadership. It's like, why don't you go and be, for example, you're an accountant, become a gun accountant. Keep working in your field, go work for top companies and then come back to the mosque and say, I'll be treasurer. Another guy comes and is an architect, I'll design a nice mosque. Another guy comes and does something else, you know, I'll go study yeah. the deen. Yeah. And we all, you know, Sheikh Bilal gave me the advice before I go overseas that, to benefit the deen, you don't have to be a sheikh. Yeah. You know, like what Muhammad Ali did to for Islam, a hundred scholars can't do that. You know, there's not one way to help the deen or help the community. Mm. And that's where you can kind of have like a bigger mindset. Don't think I need to be a leader to help the community. I can be anything. You can in be my the field. janitor, bro. But yeah. you can, you know, you remember that janitor with nice recitation? Mm. Yeah, he took over I, the world. I think when we don't have labels, we can belittle ourselves and our potential. So it's actually very dangerous. We just ha- it has to be an int- intrinsic motivation, mm. and, and and also develop your why and why you, you want to like help the community and what role you can play for your community's future. It's all about pure intentions, but hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But it is tough though because the division really pushes you back, especially young guys. Mm. Like when we go to the mosque and we say, "Hey, we have this initiative we want to do," they're like, "No." Hey, you know, we have this other. We go to like big organizations. Like, hey, we want to help. A lot of times we get put aside because that lack of adaptability. People mm. don't want to adapt. People aren't open-minded because the idea comes from a 23-year-old and I'm 55. Yep. Do you get it? So a lot of times you remember um, that quote you said about finding pearls in the ocean. 
It doesn't matter who finds it. If it's a gem, it's a gem. If it's valuable, it's valuable. You know, that's what a lot of people sometimes don't have. It's like, you're 22, I know better than you. Yeah, don't throw the baby yeah. out of the bathwater. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So no, it's... I think it's necessary for the youth to be involved. I don't think it's necessary for them to take leadership. That's that's just my take on it. I don't. Leaders are born, though. That's another thing as well. Like you can't just teach leadership as well. So I think you, you can. can? Huh? You definitely. No, can. no, no. Hundred percent. You can't teach leadership. Why? Hundred percent. I feel like the traits of be I feel like the traits of being a leadership leader are instilled gradually. You can't just say. What are the traits of being a leader? I don't know personally, but like I, I'm trying to say in terms of. You can't. I can't get Sohail and say, "Yo, Sohail, you're in the position of leadership. Lead that crew right there." You know, it takes time. You need the whole patience thing. You know, mm. you have to be able to going back to the whole Richmond thing with um, Hardwick. Yeah, you mm. have to be able to manage each person individually to their own accord. If you said it takes time, how is it born? If it takes time, yeah, it sounds like you're saying it's developed. Doesn't take time. It, it, it yeah, develops. I'm, I'm trying to say it's developed. Yeah, you can't just say within like one day that person is a leader. So a leader's born, or not born, like. Are you born a leader or is you're you born with the traits of being a leader? Yeah. And then you develop those and it comes out. It's like going back to the whole thing with um being able to speak or whatnot. You might not like for example, um uh, thingy Ali was saying in one of his episodes, the Fading Curve episode, when he was talking about how he's developed the, the FOMO of being able to speak and whatnot. You know, the because at one stage he couldn't he couldn't speak, public speaking or whatnot, and afterwards he developed that trait. Same thing with leadership. There's traits within leadership that I just you're born with. Then over time you you get that trait basically that's what i'm trying to say mm, that's a question i think disagree with me say, no, say it out no, loud i think i think it's it's basically like like it's um preserved like sometimes when you have children who seem to have those you know those knacks to become leaders because they can speak well or they've got that confidence it's usually because it's kind of like instilled in them by their by their upbringing yeah so you've got that that yeah, you got like a parent or a father or mm. a mother, and there's I think a story of as a sahaba or something like that where um, the mother told the, her son like, "Look out in the ocean, like you're gonna conquer this one day." <laughs> was it a, was a sahaba or was it a prophet? Mm. I remember I there was a story, so. yeah, but like and Sheikh Bilal was saying in one of his one of his talks, and he goes basically like the, the mother <laughs> told the son from a young age, "You're gonna be the one to do it," mm. and he ended up doing it. Why is that? Because it was instilled in him. Yeah, yeah, but I'm going back to the traits thing. He had those traits to become a leader. That's what I'm trying to say. You're born with it. I can tell you a perfect example. I, I, I have, I have, I have cousins. You're you're entitled to your own opinion, but I have cousins. Two of them. One of them, dead ass. I'm telling you, right, she was on a Zoom class. Yeah, her teacher left the Zoom class. Yeah, and then all of them were trying to control the Zoom and say, "I'm going to become the teacher. I'm going to become the teacher. I'm going to become the teacher." Yeah. She goes out of her own way and says, hey, I'm going to pick which one out of you guys are going to become the teacher. So one of them, she will pick it and then they'll get angry. Another one will become the teacher. So she went above and beyond. Instead of becoming the teacher, she saw that there was, there was something bigger than becoming the teacher. She basically became the principal in this scenario in that five minutes that the teacher was gone. Yeah. Then you go and compare her own brother, her own brother, timid, shy, um, just all the characteristics of someone that lacks leadership. You know, mm. maybe he will develop that later on. Yeah, but you can't tell me she was not born with that. Uh, on that leadership, I've read a couple of leadership books, yeah. and I there's a lot of opinions and facts behind that. The timid, the shy, the introverted make the best leaders. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the person that's the loudest doesn't mean, or the person that takes leadership doesn't mean they make a good leader. Yeah, there's a big difference between a leader and. So a how good do you leader. define a leader? How do you define a leader? 
um, there's characteristics like there's managing and leading. Leading I define as someone who has the ability, to, like leading. They say people want to follow you. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Yeah. If you're a leader, you need followers. You can't lead by yeah. yourself. You know. So they call it like. Yeah, leadership. That's the first law of leadership by John Maxwell. You know, you have followers and mm-hmm. people want to follow you. Mm-hmm. You know, but managers sometimes it's like they hate the person. You know, but I think leadership, it's even that's off topic and stuff. It's something where it is. It's completely developed. Yeah. You know, because there's characteristics like, for example, me as a kid, I was always maybe talkative, outgoing. I could communicate. You know, my dad talked on TV and he was a leader of count um, organizations and everyone in my family were leaders. Yeah. And I was, but that didn't make me a leader. And even my characteristics didn't make me a leader. It's all developed over time. And it's like anything the growth mindset teaches you. It's like anything can get developed. Mm. But I think there's a saying with sprinters, I can't make you fast, but I can make you faster. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you understand that, but it's like you have a ceiling. I can make you faster, but I can't make you fast. I can't get you to the base level. Mm. And like leadership, if you don't have maybe innate characteristics, your ceiling might be an 8 out of 10. But if you have born characteristics, like talent in basketball or any sport, your ceiling might be 10. So the ceiling you can go to is so much further if you have the innate characteristics. But to be a leader, and there's different levels to leadership. There's running the country, you know, being the president of the US or being at your mosque. Mm -hmm. Leadership is something that can be easily trained, developed. You know, sometimes you see... You have to have the innate characteristics, what you're saying. Nah. Oh, so you don't have to have it. People it can all be developed. Everything can be developed. Yeah. You know, everything. Like Les Brown. What was Les Brown used to always say? Yeah. Mentally impaired speech. He couldn't yeah. talk. You'd say this guy's not a leader. But no one in the world communicates better than Les Brown. Yeah. Or like, you know, in that category. Definitely. Mm. But if you saw him as a kid, le- no chance as a leader. He's like your cousin. You said he's timid, doesn't talk, mm. you know? Mm. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that's the leadership thing. I just, uh, we're going to do a leadership episode soon. You know, because it is a big thing. Leaders yeah. are, are they born or made? But it's an interesting thing, man. How about now, like now coming from COVID, you know, the Muslim community is expanding. And I think now a lot of Muslims our age are getting a lot of leadership positions like with MSAs. Because of MSAs, um, it's still targeted only to students. So an MSA is literally for uni students from kids from 18 to 25, you know. So it's still limited like with how much they can actually affect the community you know, by and large with schools and, mm. you know, the older generation. So how about this transition where they are getting power, they are getting a name for themselves? Is that helping the community in the sense of, like, for the better to unite us? Or can it help the community? I think I think it can just by solely, like, having, just being more active in, like, bringing the community together, you know, obviously post-COVID as well because it's been so long that we have kind of do feel divided in our own houses and that. So initially it is. I think at the end of the day, just the people have to actually ask themselves, like, are they doing it for themselves or other people? Mm-hmm. So I think just going in with the mindset of doing it for others is not about me at all. I'm just doing it to help the community. Then I think that's where, with sincerity, everything will start. It's a lot more pure. Would you say the same? Or? Yeah, I was going to ask you whether or not you thought that as well. I think they can only do so much. Because if your target audience is kids from 18 to 25, you can't really change... Th- yeah, all you can do is change the mindset maybe of uni kids. And a lot of times you might have realized it's more of a social thing. So everything is judged on its intentions. And a lot of times organizations do events for socializing, getting to know each other, which isn't bad. It's a very good thing in our dean that we should be kind of encouraging. Mm. But I'm just saying like it can only go so far. So we need kind of all the pieces of the puzzle to kind of work together. You know? I think it's a good practice, Ron. 
Mm. So people do end up like wanting or thinking they're going to go down that path of leadership in the future and kind of get like a taste of what it's like on a smaller scale. Mm. But then, um, I don't know, uh, there's always that thing that rings in my head, that quote, like if somebody wants to be the leader, don't give it to them because they're not worthy of the of the position, mm. you know. It's an amana. That's that's why that's why it kind of like always, I don't know, it irks me when I hear the word leadership, like whenever I hear it and people talk about it, and it just for me for me it's just like I don't even want to have the conversation. Mm. Does that make sense? Like cause it feels like it's something that's kind of obviously doesn't doesn't seem plausible, but it's something that's already preordained, you know, something that somebody's already kind of like like somebody's already been chosen, you know, and that person was fit exactly for that position and it happened and that's that's it that's that's where it ends you know and it that, it doesn't sound plausible like i was saying it doesn't sound very logical because people actually have to go out of their way to look for the leadership positions or to nominate themselves or to get somebody to nominate them or whatever it is mm. but i don't know it just just doesn't you know maybe it's the like what you said at the start like the stigma behind it or the connotations because like i think in our dna it's an encouraged thing to always pick a leader you know they said like if three people are going on a journey pick one to be a leader because there's uh, responsibilities like you said there's an amana there's a role to play even if so, but maybe sometimes we change the meaning of a leader we think it's a hundred percent them it was never a hundred percent one person it's always a group decision and yeah. then if there's a final call it's like 33 33 34 he doesn't yeah. have power over you he's not like you're not a slave to him yeah, you know maybe that's what it is where people think oh you're just a follower yeah. It's like that's a bad thing to be a follower, but 99% of the world's followers, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. I don't know, man. I yeah. just, the thing is, I think we do need them, obviously, because, like, <laughs> to have those tough conversations, we need at least somebody to mediate them or for somebody to kind of push across certain, like, agendas or issues that need to be, like, faced mm. within the community or whatever it is. But for me, like, like you were saying, leaders are at that point, they're just basically facilitators, you know? Mm. They kind of like try to aid situations in getting better, more so than kind of like aiding their own vendettas or their own personal agendas, you know. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm. Which is understandable though, because you've had experience in that leadership position, and sometimes it's one bad experience that kind of sets you up on that road, you know. Yeah, I'm. Well, based on my experience, from what I've seen, is like. I don't see any benefit in it, in me being in that position. Does that make sense? If anything, it's kind of like, and I'll props to whoever takes on that those tasks and flourishes in them because obviously they're above anyone else is capable of doing. But for me, doing it and seeing like the whole, the wavering intentions and and having to deal with people of different like beliefs or thoughts or processes and and you have to kind of like try to cater to everyone and the patience basically mm. yeah just everything about it bro it just doesn't seem like something i'd ever want to do or delve into again mm. you know but I, th I think sometimes you even have that experience that when you become a leader you're like i could have done just as much not being in that position with the backlash and the fit exactly. and, the, and the test you know but sometimes you don't need the position to make the difference and that's probably what you realised. And you hear brothers like Yusha Evans who you wouldn't say leader in the community but they're, they're, they're figures. Role models. They're yeah. public figures, you know. And he would always say that if I could go back, I wouldn't do what I'm doing now. I would just stick to mm -hmm. myself. I would do my own thing. 
And we were, and I was like, yeah, I kind of feel the same sentiment as him. Because I don't, if anything, I'm happy for what I did. And I hope that I had the right intention in doing what I was doing. And inshallah, Allah SWT rewards me or whoever's involved for what, what was happening. But yeah, I, I wouldn't go into it again. It's not it's not my, not my saying, not my thing to do, you know. Okay, I wanted to quickly end it off one note about we tackled the Muslim community, we tackled our cultures, but now as an Australian community, you know, we all went to public schools, you know, we all experienced, you know, playing sports, you know, it wasn't just like a 100% Muslim club, 100% Somali, 100% Lebanese. So we kind of had those experiences outside of it. How do you guys think the community is as Australia, you know, Australian community or even Melbourne? We're getting better. Yeah, yeah, we Honestly, are. I think we're getting better. I feel like um, because of all this social media and stuff like that, and then you also got all this like new activism and stuff like that's going on like as we well. We need Ali's on the project. Bashes in the AFL, killing it. You know what I mean? There's a lot more exposure to like what we're really like rather yeah. than just the, the others. Mm. You know, like so we start to see like more people mixing with, for example, Sudanese brothers, and then there's. Aussies hanging out with Lebos and Lebos hanging out with Turks and Turks hanging out, you know. Yeah. But back in the day, it was, yeah, it was very, very, very difficult. Like mm. we play opposition teams, for example, in footy, mm. and there's like three Lebanese kids on our team. They always go for us. Mm. Yeah, the the Anglo Saxons. I'm not gonna say the Aussies because God knows what nationality they are. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. um, you'd always see we get targeted. Mm. Lebo dog, this is that, you know, and 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 it kind of like automatically. It would just tarnish that demographic of people in mm. our eyes, because mm. we always seem to feel like we're being attacked, or we always have to be on guard of these type of people, you know. So, uh, but then now, when when food is gone and the way the the world's moving and the changes that have developed, and people become a lot more conscious of what they're saying and who they're saying it to, I kind of feel like there's it's become better. I feel like Aussies are very accepting people. You know, like from what I see, like even at school, like there'll be a girl in a hijab and they don't even care. Like they'll try hug her or something. It's like, <laughs> you can't do that. You know, yeah. or like guys just chatting. It's like, there's never been like, they don't look at the differences. They just see you as just a mate or a guy. You know, like whenever you work, you know, you probably experience the same kind of thing at work. Yeah. And it's like, they're very open. They don't look yeah. and try to differentiate it. They kind of mm -hmm. just try to connect with you. And they just see you as a normal guy. You know? Yeah. You spend the same thing at work? Yeah, I reckon the same thing as well. Like in terms of, I, w I wouldn't say they're the they're the most open people, but they're just more blunt. They're mm. they're Aussies just the the way that they are, they say what they think, and sometimes that they don't mean it in a negative manner. It just comes across that way. You know, it's that subconscious stigma, racism, whatnot. They just can't help it. You know what I mean? Um, and it's good that they some often say it out loud. You know, because you rather know <laughs> what they're thinking or whatnot. True. Um, but then there's a difference between when someone means something in a negative manner when, uh, and then when it's just ignorance. Mm -hmm. you know, and often, most of the time, it's ignorance. You know, Because half of them probably don't even know where they came from as well. You know, mm. um, But when they're trying to bridge that gap of differences, it's actually a nice thing. You know, like in terms of like, they, they might go put that out their hand to a Muslim sister or something like that and they might not know the customs or mm. whatever. It's actually a nice thing because at least they go learn. You know? How about us the other way around? They're trying to bridge it. As you can see, how, what can we do? Us as... Um, just in general, just even just the be ourselves, thing. bro. Just be ourselves. There's not really much you can do. Mm. You know, be comfortable in your culture, your identity. You don't have to go 
assimilate to their customs and whatnot. You know, that's one of the things that makes Australia great in the sense that you can go this place and then it's, it's got that culture there. You can go this place and you got that culture, mm. you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes, like, as Muslims, I know for sure myself, like, in high school, you would feel kind of like you're not sure how open you want to be with, you know, your non-Muslim friends because it's like you're different. Yeah. And then it's like you start to realise when you're older, like, the more you embrace it, you'd be surprised how much people actually p- appreciate it. Yeah. Like, obviously, you don't like to compare other s- countries and that, but you look at the UK, for example, and the Muslim culture over there and how much all other cultures have embraced the Muslim culture, with like yeah. words using in Charlotte. you also got to realise like like their community's older as well. Yeah, it's like more developed. Muslim, yeah, but then I like to look at it in a positive way. It's like, yeah. okay, if we just be ourselves, we do the right things, like take care of ourselves actions-wise and respect and that, and then gradually over time, you'll start to see it like a small influence in a good way. Yeah, World domination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as you like. And plus, you've got you to respect the differences as well. Because like, like as in differences, I mean yourself. If you don't respect yourself, no one else is going to respect you as well. 100%. Mm. You know, I remember growing up, bro, like when mom used to make food or something like that, and I used to rock up to school with this food. Yeah, bro, I would, like even early days when I started working, I would not use the upstairs staff room to heat up my food just because I got sick of, not because I'm shy of the food or the differences in the food that they make, just because I got like annoyed at the amount of time. Oh, what's that? Like, oh, that's oh, interesting. Like, my mom made that in like 30 seconds. Like, what's yeah. so interesting? And they they just ate like Vegemite sandwiches and shit, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but then I used to get annoyed at that and be like, oh, what, what, like how much of a pest this person is. But to them, they're just like children in the sense that they yeah, don't really curious. understand, mm, yeah. you know? And they might actually be interested in learning more about your culture. Yeah, but sometimes too much, bro, ignorance is offensive as well. It does get annoying. Like I know, like I told you about this story. One, the guy rocked up at work once, and he goes to me like, "Where you born?" And I go to him. Um, and I I change up my answer all the time, and I think I've said this to you boys or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I told he goes to me, "Where you born?" And he just changed up my answer: Ethiopia one day, I don't know, it's Rwanda one day, whatever. I change it up. This time I said to him, um, "I was born in Australia," you know, and I was born in Somalia. Yeah. And then after he goes to me, oh, no way. He goes, you speak English like that well? I, go, I was born in Australia. And he goes, well, I'm glad to have you. And then he walked off and I was giving him service, yeah. And he was so happy at his service. At that moment, wallah, I was so confused. Should I be offended? Or should I like take his compliment in this sense? You know, like I just told this guy straight up, I'm born in Australia. Like mm. right now, there's no difference between you and I in the sense that, well, I was technically lying to him. But like there is technically no difference, you know, mm. but it's that ignorance where, he doesn't see that he sees you as a black guy and automatically thinks like this person's illiterate. Probably, I don't know what they think. I don't know what goes through a white mind. This person's illiterate. This guy's probably fasting. This guy came on a boat somewhere mm. along those lines. But mm. it's that ignorance. So it's, it's also the person who cops it and experiences that difference. You don't have to get offended every single time. You know, you yeah. just got to be patient like with the other person as well. Because I know? think we have to realize as well, there's a chance that that person you that met you that day, for example could be the first time interacting with a Somali or interacting with a Muslim. Yeah. And the impact you make on his perspective of your religion and culture is a p- can go a long way. Yeah, and yeah. the people he speaks to. Yeah, afterwards. yeah, 100%. 100%. But you get used to it after interacting with more people. Thank you guys for listening. One of the big events that's happening in National Unity Week is the National Mosque Open Day, which happens on October 30. So mark the date. Hopefully you guys can go to your mosque, help support, spread the knowledge so people can come, meet the community, meet the religious leaders, and we can all enjoy the day and spread love. Build that community, do your work. Hope you guys enjoyed the app. Take care.